Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're going to persevere. We're going to be a prevailing people, a persevering people. And a big way uh, that we walk at that level uh, where we're prevailing over the enemy, over circumstances, is that we have spiritual vision. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Help me to go beyond seeing just what's going on in the natural. Give me a prophetic vision. A spiritual vision. Eyes to see. Amen. Where we're seeing beyond the problem. Amen. And this is the devil's trick. To get us focused on our problems. And a man or a woman that's focused on their problems is losing sight of the promises. And God did not call us to lose sight of His promises. Even though Israel was coming out of Egypt. Forty years, they didn't realize it, but for forty years, they would wander in the wilderness. But through those forty years, they never lost vision. The promise was delayed, but it wasn't denied. They never lost vision. They never lost hope. The devil's trying to cause you to lose hope. And that's because your vision is probably, if you're feeling like, where's my hope? It's probably your vision is on the wrong things. So let this uh, new year be a, 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 a time, a season, a divine moment to shake ourselves loose of the devil's vision. And get our mind back uh, on the things of God with an eye of faith. Someone say faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, there's an unseen world. And our side has more on our side than the enemy has on his. There's more with us than there is with them. Amen. Just uh, believe this, that you and Jesus form the majority. <laughs> Amen. How many of you believe today you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength? Your Messiah is strengthening you. Your Messiah is equipping you. Your Messiah is directing you and counseling you, enabling you and empowering you to do all things. And nothing will be impossible to those that walk in that faith, with that confidence, with that expectation. Spiritual vision is what leads to prevailing and persevering and overcoming. You are more than a conqueror. 
Because you have that vision. Your hope is not in men. Your hope is not in government. Your hope is not in politics. Your hope is not in Fox News. Your hope is not in the things that man has created. Your hope is in the one that gives us a reason to hope. The Almighty God. The one true God. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O New beginnings. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. If you can't say amen, say boom shakalaka. (laughs) Amen. So welcome to the Torah study. I'm Pastor Scott. These uh, studies are uh, available on CD, used to be on tape. Uh, we've graduated. Now we actually have a podcast. You go on New Beginnings website and they're broadcast uh, uh, weekly. They're put up on the, uh, on the podcast page. And so uh, in this week's study, we've been in Exodus 10 through 13. And uh, we've been uh, building, uh, teaching through some various parts of the Exodus. Amen. Uh, And uh, next to the passion of the Christ, the passion of our Lord and Savior, His uh, uh, death and resurrection, next to that story. That's the greatest story ever told. But next to that greatest story ever told is the Exodus. Amen. Uh, And each of those stories are related. Amen. The Old Testament hasn't been abolished. The Old Testament uh, is uh, the foundation on which we build into the New Testament. Uh, Moses and Jesus aren't in heaven uh, at odds with one another. (laughs) They're the best of friends. And we ought to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament as the best of friends. Amen. And each story, uh, the passion of Jesus Christ, the exodus of the Jewish people out of Egypt, uh, are the highest expressions of God's desire for His people to experience salvation, deliverance, and redemption. Amen? They're both the highest expressions of amazing grace. How sweet the sound. They're both expressions of how much God loves the world. For God so loved the world. Amen. And so whether we're uh, remembering uh, what God did for us when we accepted Jesus Christ and received salvation or what God did for Israel, we have to realize that there was nothing that Israel could have done, there's nothing that you and I could have done to work our way out of the predicaments that we were in. Amen. Uh, No one has the power to bring about redemption on their own. Amen. And so, uh, even while we were sinners... Even while Israel was in slavery, Israel was enslaved to Pharaoh, they were enslaved to Egypt, we were enslaved to sin and Satan. 
In both cases, God still loved us while we were sinners. Amen. Even in our worst moments, God still loved us. And even today, if you're going through one of your worst moments in life, the Lord still loves you. God is still with you. You are still more than a conqueror. You still can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength. You can do all things and nothing will be impossible even if you don't feel like it. That potential is there. May God awaken that within you today and you go into 2022 realizing, yeah, indeed, God's not finished with me yet. My best is still yet to come. I might have an AARP card or what's the new one that replaces AARP. You may have a Medicare card. You may have a doctor's report. You may have a legal report and it doesn't look all that good right now, but don't lose heart. Don't lose confidence. Don't cast away your faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Believe in the promises of God. Confess the Word of God. Declare prophetically the promises of God. And drive out that mountain. And Jesus said that when you speak to the mountain, that mountain will move. Amen. Moses spoke to the mountain. Amen. Pharaoh was a mountain. Egypt was a mountain. 200 plus years in slavery was a mountain. And Moses stood there and said, let my people go. And it came to pass. It took 10 plagues to do it. It might take you 10 times of saying something, believing something. It might take 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, however long it's going to take. We are going to walk by faith. We are going to trust in the Lord. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe His promises. And come heaven or high water, come hell or high water, we are going to stand. And having done all to stand, we're going to stand that God's Word is true Let every man be a liar. Let every circumstance be a liar. Let every doctor's report that says you're going under be a liar. We come against all those evil reports in the name and by the blood of Jesus and declare we will win. God said we are winners. We are conquerors. We can do all things. And we believe that. If you believe that this morning, give the Lord a praise. That's what amazing grace does for you. Gets you stirred up. Amen. So God sent a message to Israel of unfailing, unconditional love. When you and I got saved, we got that same message. Do you still have that message engraved on your heart today? That God loves me and nothing can separate me from the love of God. You didn't do anything to earn your salvation. I don't believe you can do anything to lose it. But don't tempt God. (laughs) Keep living by faith. Keep walking in love. Keep doing what you know to do in a righteous, godly, moral, holy way. And God will honor that. And you'll soon find your way out of whatever issue that you're confronted with. And all of a sudden you'll realize God is a God of miracles. Amen. Amen. All right. 
So as I was going through the study, I, I went through tons of notes and tons of articles, and uh, it, it just, God kept leading me back to two particular Passover commandments that just jumped out at me that I really hadn't focused on or thought much about uh, in uh, uh, previous Passover teachings. And so the first of the insights that jumped out at me uh, this week uh, came as I was reading a real thought-provoking article from a rabbi, Kirschblum. Uh, it was called The Jewish Home More Than Brick and Mortar. And uh, the rabbi was showing uh, us something powerful out of Exodus 12 that I really hadn't uh, uh, thought much about. Uh, but I wanted to bring this out because it's it just a, a solid, fundamental truth, not only for Jewish people, but also for Christian people. Judeo-Christian people. Amen. Do we have any Judeo-Christians in the house? Amen. And so, as the Lord was giving Israel... This covenant process, okay? Nine plagues, they don't do anything. But on the tenth plague, God says there's some things you're going to need to do. If you want to walk out of here as free men and women, there's some things you're going to need to put into practice. And one of the things that uh, was emphasized uh, in preparation of being saved from the tenth plague uh, is in Exodus 12, verses 3 and 4. It says, Every man shall take for themselves a lamb for their father's house. A lamb for each house. And if there are too few in the house to consume the lamb in its entirety, he shall join with his neighbor that is near to his house. Now why is this important? Because the Torah is telling us, God is telling us through Moses, that the salvation experience is not just meant to be a personal experience. Are you with me? It's just not for me, my wife, my two kids, us four, and no more. We're told to share the experience with others. This is the very foundation of salvation. It's the very foundation of what embodies or what constitutes being redeemed. It's the principle that now that we've received the love of God, we need to share the love of God. Amen. Who's all for sharing the love of God? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. This is embedded in the Passover sacrifice. Obviously, a neighbor uh, is someone that, uh, in this case, doesn't have the money to get their own Passover lamb. Somebody that's poor. Someone that can't afford on their own to put together a Seder dinner. They might live alone. And they can't consume everything. And God is saying, join in with your neighbor. Bring your neighbor into this thing and celebrate salvation and deliverance and redemption, not just as a family, but as a community. 
Amen? Passover is arguably the most important of biblical holidays on God's calendar. And here we're seeing that it's a, there's a call to action. Not only prepare your own Passover sacrifice, but have eyes to see, are there people around me that might need uh, me to share the love of God and bring them into the experience? It's a level of hospitality that uh, uh, many of us in charismatic Christianity aren't acquainted with. Okay? Uh, and because, look, I, I can comment on charismatic Christianity. We were saved in a charismatic Pentecostal-style church. We've only had two churches in nearly 40 years. Our first church in Seattle and uh, this church with Pastor Larry and Tiz. And uh, so I've heard every Pentecostal charismatic preacher there is. From A to Z. Heard them twice, three times, got the tapes, got the CDs, seen them on YouTube, this, that, and the other thing. And one of the things that uh, charismatics have uh, missed it on when it comes to like the prosperity message is that we miss the idea of you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Right? Back in the heyday of charismatic Christianity, everyone was going for the pink Cadillac. Remember that? Back in the 80s, that was the accusation. We were the blab it and grab it group. We were the name it and claim it group. And that's a good, solid principle. You speak to the mountain. You call those things that be not as though they were. But what's the end game? Is the end game to build bigger barns and become rich in myself and never really get rich towards God? And how do we become rich towards God? In the Passover ceremony, find somebody else that needs a helping hand. Most people uh, don't want a hand out. They want what? A hand up. And that's what Christianity is all about. Remember that movie, Pay It Forward? Good concept, right? That anything that I've been blessed with isn't just for me to hoard. I'm not a hoarder. Ever seen the, uh, the TV show Hoarders? I saw it once and I said, I'm never going to watch this again. I don't want that image in my mind. <laughs> hoarding, hoarding. God didn't call us to be selfish, greedy little things. He called us out of being selfish and greedy little things. And He called us to learn how to be hospitable. Now, uh, during the pandemic, it's been a little bit difficult to be hospitable because everybody's social distancing and trying to protect themselves as best they can and minimize the contact and so on and so forth. But it doesn't mean we have to shut our eyes to those in need. It doesn't mean that we have to close our hearts. Amen? And and so in this example, 
Obviously, there's hundreds of examples about being generous and benevolent, uh, having the mindset of a philanthropist. But here, it's important to notice that the Torah places the obligation of the invitation on the one who has more than enough. In other words, I don't need to wait until I see somebody holding a sign walking up and down on the street corner and they come up and look at at my... I don't need that moment to be what motivates me to be a cheerful giver. You might be in uh, a grocery line and the person in front of you might not have enough money to pay the bill. They need $13 to get, fully get checked out and they don't have it. And all of a sudden you with your generous and big heart, you know, God is telling me something right now to bless you with that $13. So let me just chip in the $13 and be a blessing to you and know that it's coming from the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. Did that ever happen to anybody? It happened to us yesterday. What a lesson. The responsibility to be a blessing falls on the giver, not the recipient. So in a spirit of hospitality, God is commanding uh, Israel to open their homes to the poor and the lonely and the needy. Now, right now, that might be a challenge. Life grew. I don't want to get together really with because of all the the crazy pandemic stuff. But you can still sow seed, and you can do it with a good heart. Say, Father, even though I'm not able to da da this and that, I'm going to sow my tithe. I'm going to sow my offering. I'm going to sow this uh, act of charity to be a blessing to somebody else, and thus fulfill the principle of the gospel that's given in uh, 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 Passover. Amen. And so God is including this in probably, arguably, what's the most important biblical holiday. Be a blessing to the less fortunate. Amen. To the widow, to the orphan. Isn't it Pastor James uh, that said true religion, true spirituality is how big your Bible is and how big your cross is. We can have the cross the sign of a rapper. (laughs) But that doesn't make us holy in the eyes of God. True religion is blessing the widow and the orphan. All right, so one definition of compassion is feeling empathy. All right, feeling a sense of sympathy for others that are going through a difficult time. And It's not only feeling empathy or sympathy. uh, It's accompanied by a desire to do something about it. In Judaism, this is why I love studying the Jewish roots. In Christianity, a lot of our faith and religion is boiled down to what we believe. And that's important. But in in Judaism, there's an old saying... uh, Uh, more deed and less creed. 
more deed and less creed. Right? You can have all the creeds, but if you don't have the deeds to back that up, is your faith really faith? Ask, ask Pastor James about that. I'll show you my faith by my works. Well, I thought we were supposed to, we weren't supposed to do works. That's just a razzle-dazzle move by people that don't know any better. You, you don't do works for the Lord to get saved. You do works for the Lord because you're saved. But people have used that as an opt-out card to do nothing. What are you going to do? Nothing. That ought not be our motto. When it's all said and done, there's usually more said than done. That ought not be the Christian motto. Well, I thought about it. (laughs) And look, who's our example? The Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. One of my favorite scriptures from when uh, going all the way back to the 80s when we first got saved, uh, Acts 10.38. And Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. If he, if he did that for Jesus, He wants to do it for you. But then, the Scripture says, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. So it wasn't just, I want the anointing. It was, I want the anointing to empower me to go about doing good, being a blessing. This word good in in Greek terminology speaks of a benefactor. Speaks of somebody who has been blessed and able to be a blessing to others and looks for ways to be a blessing, to be compassionate, and to share the blessing and the wealth that they've enjoyed with others that are going through bad times. And that in itself brings healing. The reaction of the, uh, the guy yesterday was priceless. Who are you that you would want to bless me? I don't know you. doesn't matter. Who is my neighbor? Whenever the Holy Spirit motivates you to do something, it's not so He can take something out of your life and leave you with less. Every time uh, that God wants to bless you, He usually first sets you up with an opportunity to be a blessing. So then what you have sown is what you will reap. And that reaping comes good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, so that you are thoroughly furnished for any and every good work. That should be our goal as believers. Lord, I want to be thoroughly furnished, fully funded, fully equipped to be able to respond to any and all uh, uh, charitable things that need to happen. Amen. Amen. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's a nice little list there, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a suggestion (laughs) or if God really meant it when He had Paul write that. Clothe yourself. That means put it on. It means you might not already have it on. You might not have come from a family that was very hospitable. You might have come from a family that was very stingy or never trained you to be a blessing. And God is saying none of that matters. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. You have a new set of values. There's a new spiritual vision that I'm giving you. You're walking to the beat of a different drum now that you're a believer. So put on, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness. Amen. Peter said, finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Amen. There's a hundred scriptures with this same theme, aren't there? Uh, And they're all showing us that once we've been saved, there's a next step. God so loved us, now we so love others. And it'll take place a thousand and one different ways. You might not do it exactly the way I do it. Just do it the way the Spirit of the Lord leads you to do it. But the end game is to make being a blessing a major part of our Christian experience. I love uh, the end of the movie Bruce Almighty. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Don't really like Jim Carrey that much anymore. But uh, I like that movie. Uh, And at the very end... Uh, of the movie, like in the last uh, few moments, uh, he says, be the miracle. Be the miracle. You know, God wants to transition each of us from always needing a miracle into being the miracle. And don't you know that if you get your mind on helping fulfill the needs of others, being God's hands and being God's feet and being God's banker here on earth where you're funding and helping and being kind and compassionate, meeting other people's needs, don't you know, as we said earlier, that you will reap what you sow. Be not mocked. Be not deceived, God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that and only that shall he reap. So when when people end up saying, uh, God never blesses me, they're telling on themselves. Because God's Word is true. If God said, you sow seed and it will produce a harvest, it will produce a harvest. So get to sowing. Most people are eating their seed instead of sowing their seed. Of course, I'm preaching to the choir here. You're not that kind of person. All right. So this is all part of uh, the Passover offering. God required a lamb to be slain. There was a death that occurred. Blood was shed. We were entering in. Israel was entering in to a... Uh, important covenant relationship. 
And in that covenant relationship is built into this idea that you are going to Israel, you're going to share the love of God. You're going to be a model for the world as a nation on how a godly moral society is going to run. Amen. And they became, you know, as slaves, I imagine they were self-conscious. And so part of that 50-day journey from Passover to Pentecost is transitioning out of being just self-conscious to being love-conscious. Amen. And it doesn't happen automatically. It, it does require some training, doesn't it? And so we have to go out of our way to be a blessing, to emphasize, uh, empathize with those who have been hard hit by circumstances and do what we can to make a difference. Who's in on that? Amen. Me too. All right, so in the last few minutes, the second commandment that really stood out to me uh, this year in studying Passover uh, came out as I was reading one of my favorite rabbis, the late great Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, uh, who wrote an essay called Freedom's Defense. And it relates Passover to teaching the children. And he sets the stage, and it's just very interesting. Here Israel's been in harsh slavery uh, for several generations. And suddenly the moment of redemption comes, and Moses gathers them together. And he gives them this beautiful speech. But you think, well, what should the speech be on? So Moses is trying to do his notes and get his mind right. Okay, what am I going to say to Israel on the doorstep of redemption? We're ready to walk out of it, out of Egypt. And uh, the rabbi points out he might have talked about living in freedom and liberty. He might have talked about uh, the importance of the breaking of all the chains of slavery. He might have talked about the destination that they were going on to the promised land. Uh, he, he might have talked about the ins and outs of the journey ahead uh, and the dangers that they might face. Uh, and all of that he does get to in the book of Deuteronomy. But here, right there in real time, while this thing is unfolding, Moses chooses to speak about the children. He chooses to speak about the future and how the future is going to be realized through the children. He speaks about the duty that we have as a people of God to the next generation. And uh, in fact, three times in this week's Torah portion, he speaks of this. In Exodus 12, 26 and 27, to paraphrase, when your children ask you, what do you mean by this ceremony, you shall say. So there's some interaction in the family. In uh, Exodus 13, 8, He says, you shall explain to your child on that day. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I went free from Egypt. 
And then in verse 14, Exodus 13, 14, And when, in time to come, your child asks you, saying, What does this mean? What is Passover all about? You shall say to him and tell him or her, them, the story. Amen. Amen. And so, in essence, God is saying, never forget this. What is happening here is a covenant I'm making with you and a story that I want you to pass on so that every generation remembers and no generation ever forgets what the Lord has done. Amen? Amen. And I got to thinking about this. This is exactly what Solomon is saying in Proverbs 22. Train up a child. Didn't somebody mention that the other day while I was uh, enjoying chocolate pecan pie? <laughs> that the, the faith that, that I have has been passed down to my son, and now look at what he is doing, look at what the Lord has done. Lydia and I uh, served in children's ministry for the majority of our Christian lives. And one of the key scriptures that uh, we built our uh, children's ministry on with the help of some great mentors, including, I don't know if you ever remember Gospel Bill, Willie George. Uh, He was like uh, the godfather, the grandfather of children's ministry. And we modeled much of what we did after... uh, Willie George, who's up in Broken Arrow, his son's taken over the church for the most part. But Willie's still there uh, doing things for God. Uh, But the scripture that uh, we use, 2 Timothy 3.15, From childhood you have known the sacred writings, the sacred scriptures. From childhood which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation and faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So all of our ministry was geared towards teaching children the Holy Scriptures in fun, uh, exciting, easy to understand in different ways. Feed. Fun, exciting, easy to understand in different ways. So we would feed the kids uh, the Holy Scripture that would lead them to wisdom and lead them into salvation and faith which is in Jesus Christ. So Passover from the very beginning is an educational calling. Uh, It was God's calling on the Jewish people to learn and preserve biblical and spiritual history of the most important event in all of Jewish history so far. And that's what the Seder dinner is all about. Amen? Jewish parents are being admonished to teach their children. Amen? And children are encouraged to ask questions. Right? And, and so, uh, uh, you know, this was one of the things that uh, uh, in charismatic Christianity we battled. The education. Like in some way education was bad. Like in some way, I remember the lady that wrote the book, Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. 
And the whole concept was God gave you a mind. God gave you intellect. God gave you the capacity to build your intelligence level, to use your mind. But not only your mind, not only your soul, you also have a spirit. And when your spirit and soul come together, the spirit of the Lord, your uh, uh, human spirit, and intellectually understanding the power of God, the knowledge of God, uh, and all the things that come out of the Bible, all of a sudden you're a formidable person. Now why does all this matter? Because... Freedom, Israel's freedom, our freedom personally, or our freedom as a, a nation in America, it's, it's not won so much on a battlefield. Right? We're not taking up arms. Put down your AR-15. <laughs> it's not even in the political arena, although there's you know, uh, important parts to that, or legally in the courts. There's ways that that helps our cause, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it all, you can't pass enough laws to change somebody's heart. We already got enough laws. (laughs) We don't need more gun laws, per se. Right? But it's in the hearts and minds of people. That's why we need to share the gospel. That's why God is saying the Passover, uh, embedded in the Passover, is this call to be educators, to be teachers. Each one of us in our own unique way, sharing not only the love of God, but sharing the knowledge of God. Why is serving God better than serving some other idolatry? Amen? Well, I've got a reason. Do you? Amen. Amen. And so this is why we need to impact. uh, This is why we need our families intact. This is why we can't just uh, turn over our school systems to secular humanist antichrist people that hate God, hate the Bible, hate the Judeo-Christian values and want to change it and rewrite everything and have us believe things that are just so foreign to the Bible, we just can't abdicate all of that. And so that is where government and politics and voting and the courts can help us make sure that our educational system includes the values and the ideals that you and I hold dear that come from the Bible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Think about this. If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Or as Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. The lack of knowledge is a cause for virtually all failure and difficulty. We just don't have the right answer. And knowledge, specifically the knowledge of God's principles, God's guidelines, God's commandments, are the beginning of power. Knowledge isn't necessarily power. We were sharing this yesterday. Uh, 
when I first got saved, my first sermon, I went to Bible college soon after. My first sermon was in the Union Gospel Mission in downtown Seattle. And I quickly found out that all these guys at the Union Gospel Mission knew a lot more Scripture than I knew. They were a lot more knowledgeable about what the Bible said than, uh, than what I had. So knowledge isn't necessarily power, but it's the beginning of power because it gives us vital information and education that leads us into wisdom. And we need the knowledge. We need the education. But unless it's applied, it's not wisdom. Wisdom, uh, knowledge applied, education applied and applied correctly is where wisdom kicks in. Wisdom is when education and knowledge are applied to the issues of our life. And there's a process of learning how to do that. God has an answer for every issue. I just need to find the right answer in the Bible and begin to apply that by faith, by uh, uh, doing certain things, and I'll work my way out of any problem. Amen. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Amen. The Amplified says, get skillful and godly wisdom. It is preeminent. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Actively seek spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. So God's chosen people became the first in history to base the survival of a nation on education. All the other societies at that time and uh, throughout history, they've all got their pyramids and coliseums and, and uh, all these different temples and monuments. But in the end, uh, the Jews didn't learn to build monuments and pyramids and all these. They learned to build schools, yeshivas and pass on that educational process so that their kids and their grandkids and future generations would always remember there is a one true God. Amen. And Yahweh, Jehovah, He's the one true God. And if we'll follow His plan and purpose for our lives, we are going to experience the best that the land has to offer. Amen. Can you say amen this morning? Give the Lord a praise. Amen. God bless you. Have a great morning and get ready for a Holy Ghost service.